Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everyone, welcome along to the short ball. Scotty Stevenson here with you. No Ellie Williams this week, so we've got uh, one hell of a ringing. James Parsons of the Blues. Chipper, welcome. We're going to put that mic up there. All right, yeah. get, get, it there. The, get, get it right there. in get front of the there. muzzle. Get that there. Yeah, sorry, um, amateur. Is that going to stay up? I don't know. Oh, I have problems getting up too, but um, Jip, <laughs> uh, great to see you, and you're fresh from the barber shop. Yeah, and yeah, boy, yeah. oh boy, they have mm. gone close on you there. They have had to. What's what? Why? I don't know. Uh, just going for the simple fade, you know, the the shorter you go now, the longer it lasts. That's not a fade, that's a disappear. <laughs> that's well, a, I suppose the shorter they go, the more that it doesn't look so so receding. No, that's probably what I'm going well, for. Well, I mean, you know what, I'm yeah, fighting that battle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is reminiscent of Beaver Donald in round one when he tried to get rid of the greys on the uh, <laughs> Oh, jeez, I don't know if it's that bad. Well, I mean. Holy hecka. I mean, it's better. But you just said to me out there it was sharp. Yeah, that's what and I mean. Now, you, now, now we're in front of the camera. And no, you, you're I'm not saying it's not sharp. I'm just <laughs> discussing it for those who might be listening without watching. It's, um, well, you've brought to, a hell of a lot of attention to it. It's theatre of the mind <laughs> stuff here, Chip. Uh, bye week last week for the Blues, mate. So um, I guess you've been hoeing into it this week at training? Yeah, we started last Friday um, and she's been all on. Uh, obviously, after two losses, the coaches put it out there that, you know, um, We'll rip in at training, and then I'll make decisions based around that, and that's what it's been about. And everyone's been trying to prove themselves, so it's 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 been great. And I suppose in the sense of that, it just gives guys that maybe have been sitting on the outside uh, an opportunity. And, and mm. I think that's been well sort of versed in their selections this week. Let's be honest, you're in the playoff hunt. Is that something that's come up in conversation? Oh, I think you've got to be realistic and look at the table. You've got to understand where you sit. And um, I think from sort of fifth down. You can sort of range from fifth to thirteenth yeah, fairly quickly, quickly. Yeah. so uh, you can't really get too too ahead of yourself or confident, but you also can't lose um, the belief and, and the desire if you're sitting a little bit outside it. And you know we've obviously had two buys now, which is great. So get a good run in against some you know tough New Zealand derbies, but also some overseas teams as well. And if we can get the, the balance right and get a few results, then we can keep ourselves alive. Well, today on the shortboard, we'll discuss some of the things going on in the game full stop, some of the themes and the trends that you've noticed throughout the season, mate, and uh, also touch on a few of the Kiwi teams as well. I, I guess the big news still uh, across the Tasman is the continuing saga of Israel Folau. Um So tell me this, uh, putting that issue to one side, does it have an impact on how players now go about engaging with social media? And I know that 
A lot of players do. In fact, the vast majority have accounts and uh, have a platform. Uh, is that something that you guys have thought about as the Blues this year and, and how much you're using that sort of technology and those sorts of platforms? Or is it a case of trusting the guys to make the right decisions? Yeah, look, I think it's been an issue for a number of years. Um, it's something when you go to your, you know, you get your first contract, you go down to the NZRFU for an induction day, mm. it's, it's a big big you know topic to get right because it can go so wrong it's um you know trust with everyone and, and our supporters and stuff is is, is earned and, but it can be taken away so quickly if, if you make a mistake um on on these platforms so it's it's been a big issue my whole career um it's <clears throat> i don't know what's going on here no, well, um, <laughs> maybe a bit of that here that shaved yeah, off has gone down yeah, the throat down, down to my throat but some water there for you Jeb. we're hydrating you on yeah, this podcast yeah, yeah. today um but no, I think it's just always, um, it always has to be something you consider and, and it's, it's not about the blues ourselves. I think NZRU do a, do a fantastic job in preparing us for you know, what's acceptable and what's not. And, and also you have to understand from your teammates' point of view, um, it's not about just what you know, administration wants. It's like some teammates don't want to be on there. So it's just about asking permission and, and just you know, having a little bit of common sense around Mm. What you post, and I, and I think on the whole, in New Zealand sport, not just rugby, uh, we seem to get the balance right. You're out of buys. That's it. You beauty. No more. No more break. <laughs> have they been? It, it strikes me that your buys have come at an interesting time. I don't know if there is a right or wrong time to have a buy through this tournament, but um, you, you've had a buy that's been on the back of a couple of wins where you had momentum. You've had a buy this time on the back of a of a loss that you probably weren't pleased about and would rather have gone back to work so have you developed a theory in all your time playing Super Rugby when the right or wrong time to have these buys is? No not really I suppose it's um, six or one and a half a dozen but you know when we looked at the table at the start of the year um, I, well, I thought they were really well placed you know mm-hmm. four games then five games and then you know seven game stint to finish so I think that balance is really nice so we can't sort of complain too much about mm-hmm. that um, and <clears throat> for our first one you know, after Mikey T's passing, I think it came at a really, yep. really important time for our group just to get away from rugby and just you know settle things down and make sure that we could come back. And I think we bounced back after that by really well and got a few wins. And then obviously things haven't gone to plan the last few weeks. But again, I think it came at a time timely just to rejuvenate the body. Uh, a lot of guys have played a lot of minutes, and and I th- again. You know, based on the selection of the coaches, it's about considering that this week and, and making sure that everyone's getting an opportunity for, for what's best for the team so that we can get these results. A lot of people have, I guess, flipped in a way. The Blues, as you well know, have been on the receiving end of some pretty critical coverage or analysis. Have you noticed that there is um, some lifting of the clouds this season in the Blues without a, a lifting of the pressure on the team but certainly does it feel a little bit more relaxed that you're not under so much negative scrutiny? I have to be honest you know you can't just <clears throat> jump on it when it, it's it's going well like when when you know the critics are hard first and foremost we're probably hard on ourselves mm. um, as individuals and as a group um, and, it, and it's relying on that rather than <clears throat> the, the factors from outside and it's the same when things are going well you can't jump on that and think things are all rosy. You've still got to be really hard and, and critical on yourself. So from a team point of view, I, I, it's not too much has changed from our aspect. It's probably more from our fan base and, and you know 
patrons in the media that you know are, are feeling that they might be writing nicer stories or talking a little bit more friendly about us but from us inside the group it, it's it's not too much of a shift because you, you can't get down but you can't get too ahead of yourself either now you've recently re-signed James Parsons. You texted me and said you'll be forty. <laughs> I may have texted you that. Sorry, mate. I've slipped a couple of years, and I mean, you feel like you've been around forever. That's why I, I have. You, I mean, you started I've been pretty going young. since I was nineteen. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, this, this is in the news at the moment because, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about Sam Whitelock and sabbatical clauses and how important it seems Japan has come to New Zealand rugby and their plans to keep players, but. Uh, what what was the major reason for you to to stick at it for another couple of seasons at the Blues? Because surely uh, you would have had some offers. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, biggest thing for me is I just I want to leave when the Blues have been spoken about really positively, and and that's not just from a media point of view, but more importantly, our community, and our fans are really proud to wear our jersey. It's a big motivator for me and Harbour as well. Um, so it's just making sure that. Um, I play a part in that. Um, I understand that it might not be as many minutes as I've had in the past, and, mm. and I look forward to that opportunity to grow in someone just like Kevy grew me. Um, but also, I'm here to compete, and, and I'll be doing everything I can to get those minutes. But uh, the biggest thing, silverware. I mean, that's that's you know, that's what you thrive off. That's what you play the game for. And if I can be a part of that in a Blues jersey and, and a Harbour jersey, you know, I can just retire. A happy man and, and live off that for the rest of the days. <laughs> Drinking out of the Super Rugby Cup until, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. until you actually are 40. Um, well, I mean, it's intriguing to me because, uh, you know, I, I don't personally blame a player for looking overseas and saying, well, it's better money, it's an experience, it's a life experience. Um, you know, I, I just think that you've obviously got enormous confidence in the current makeup of this team in order to put your a signature on another contract. It's got to be a confidence thing in the organisation. Yeah, I think confidence in the group, but also confidence in the organisation, you know, from the board down. Sometimes the board doesn't get the rap, you know, they get a bit of grief when things aren't going well. But, you know, as you said, there's been slight improvements, not perfect, but you've got to acknowledge what they've put in place, um, the coaching group that the front office staff have put in place, Michael uh, uh, Redmond, Tony Hanks, and getting the players across the line, you know, getting guys, talk about myself, but if you can get guys like Paddy to commit, Blake mm. Gibson to commit with, mm. with the attention they'd be getting overseas, I think Dalton Papali'i, who, you know, is a starting one week, you know, impact player the next, to stay in this group, um, I think that's the most exciting thing from my point of view. And, and then you delve into the coaching staff. Tana's been fantastic as a defence coach. You know, Tom Commentary, I don't need a harp on about him because everyone knows I love him um, and, and, and the way he goes about his business. You and, are his son. And then um, I think Brody might be his son, but oh. <laughs> I could be his stepson. Um, and then, um, you know, obviously Leon uh, comes with massive you know, experience from winning titles mm. uh, as a player, as a coach. Um, and then Dan Hellengahu as well, you know, he had a lot of success as a player, had a lot of success with us as Harbour. Uh, so, you know, it, it's all promising for your f- future and, and the biggest thing is, is I want to be a part of it. So let's talk a bit broader, Jipper. Uh, on the short ball today, Sam Whitelock today announcing that he's signed through to 2023. Uh, obviously he wants to be the All Black captain and who wouldn't? Um, but the interesting part of his agreement is the sabbatical clause to go to Japan and, and take a season off and... We're pretty much sure Bowden Barrett's going to do the same thing. We're pretty sure that Brodie Retallick's going to do the same thing. There's two things for me here. One, 
is this going to become standard practice for All Blacks to be given that year off? And two, uh, is it going to be Japan all the time or are they going to broaden this out to other competitions? Um, standard practice, probably not. But for, for the top 10%, 20% players that, that you sort of need to remain in your squad for that leadership and the experience like, like you spoke about um, and you know growing the players underneath. Um, I certainly don't think it's going to be something a 23 or 24-year-old can pick up. Mm-hmm. I think you'll have to you know, have a bit of longevity in the game. You know, He's played 100 tests, 100 super games, and I think there'll be a bit of that criteria to come into it. It's sort of similar to, I think, a few years back when they said, I think it's over 80 games for super, you can, uh, rather than play minor 10 cup, you can uh, have a season in Japan. That's right. Um, so that I think they're just trying to be as crea- creative as they can to keep players without diminishing the power of the All Black jersey. And, and I think they'll get the balance right. They've shown over a number of years they've got the balance right. And I don't think it'll get too excessive. Um, as I said, I think you, you'll have to do some serious work before you get those contract negotiations going. Earn your stripes. It, do, it doesn't, though, does it not create a, a sort of tier above everyone else, a, a sort of a group or an exclusive group of people who get special treatment? And, and doesn't that in turn then feed down through the system? Or does everyone know that these guys are special anyway? And Is, it, is that just not like any walk of life, any any job? I think, you know, as I said, they've earned the right mm-hmm. um, to have, have those offers. I certainly... As a player, you know, I think I've earned my keep as well, but I, I look at what they've done and, and my expectation is not to be at that level of negotiation. That's just a reality of life. Um, you know. I know that feeling, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so um, I think it's just, look, they are a special tier, so they have to be treated as a special tier. Mm. So like every team has a superstar. Yeah, I just think every team you know, has a superstar and everyone has a sort of role um, in the group um, and, you know, I'm just a realist. That's basically what I'm trying to say is there's levels and and some guys are at that level and some guys aren't and and you just got to live in that world. Chip, let's move on to Super Rugby in general. Um, I'm always interested because a lot of people engage in analysis and and criticism of the game and they look at different areas of the game and try to distill what the themes are, what the trends are. From a player's point of view, I'm always fascinated to understand where your thinking's at around what you're noticing in the game, if anything, that has changed over the course of the season or uh, over the course of the last couple of years? Uh, I suppose this season is, you know, you look at statistically and, um, you know, sort of the, I'd say, last three or four years, you know, especially when Wayne Smith was around um, and the Chiefs were having a lot of success, it was around, you know, that turnover ball and, and scoring points and being that team within the first sort of 10, 15 seconds to make something from that turnover ball. Defences and teams have probably caught on to that, and now if you look statistically, well, the stats we get given most weeks is, oh, this team scores the most tries off lineout. This team mm. scores the most tries off scrums. You know, so it's it's sort of gone a little bit um, more back to those sort of set piece plays. You know, and probably the Crusaders have been the biggest. You know, the way Scott Robinson and and Ronan Agar and um, is it Brad Moore mm. down there as their attack coach. You know, they've got a lot of those sort of tricky plays. Uh, around their line-out and also have the ability to grunt it up the middle and it's something that I'd say probably has been the biggest shift is around those sort of you know 
try scoring plays from set piece and, and I think you see more and more that especially as well scrum time teams holding on a little bit longer to keep the flankers on mm-hmm. with a flat Bowden Barrett as we saw you know I think was it the dubious try against the French <laughs> you know and that, that's those sorts of tries are becoming more you know prevalent rather than the turnover ones so uh, I guess in a way a bit back to the future the fact that you know, you're, you're training these things on the field and then actually implementing them in play but that relies on possession, doesn't it? To get set-piece tries means you've got to have the ball. Yeah. So are we seeing teams trying to keep the ball a bit more than possibly they did over the last couple of years? I look at the Highlanders, for instance, as one team that may be trying to continue to maintain a little bit more possession. Yeah, well, we did go through that. Um, again, I suppose you look back to when the Chiefs won it and when you know the Highlanders sort of adjusted their game, it was the team that actually had the ball least mm. or kicked the ball, had the most That's kicks it, and right? plays, and there was a lot of focus on making sure you played the backfield. And I know when we had McBurn, that was a big factor is, you know, sometimes you don't need the ball to win games. you just got to put it in the right part of the field. There's still that element. You don't want to overplay your hand um, in your half because teams are so dangerous still from turnover ball. But, you know, I, I do think that there is probably less kicks in play. Oh, actually, not less kicks, more attacking kicks mm. would be the way I'd put it. It's, it's not, um, you know, you've seen more grubbers, you've seen more chips, you know, the, you know, the, competing in the air from box kicks so look there's been small shifts around that but I I genuinely do think the biggest thing and the biggest focus for most teams is is having that set piece structure because so many teams are now trying to cram up middle back line out time that a lot of teams are having to come up with moves and plays you know off the front of the line out because you know it's just another trend that most teams are following with that two pod system. Now you've been involved in some uh, set plays yourself this season (laughs) one that didn't quite go to plan (laughs) against uh, against the Chiefs. I I saw the shot of you as you um, threw a wonderful ball to Brad Weber, um, who read that play pretty well. You've got to give him credit for that. Yeah. I, I always wanted to ask you, and I forgot to at the time, what was going through your head at that particular moment? So I remember it, um, trained it all week, and obviously if I'd stayed square down the ground, I would have just been able to carry it and um, go through the hole myself. But I, I saw the hole so early, I got a little bit excited. <laughs> And then uh, Brad obviously read me like a book, um, and and he just came out of nowhere. Really, I, was, I thought it was going clean into Oatsy's hands and yeah. they were away, because um, I, I actually saw Bo Shear in behind the ruck, and then I saw Angus pushing off, and then the old wee man came out of nowhere. Um, full credit to him. I've I've been on the other side of that, and it's yeah. a glorious moment. Um, yeah. And I tell you what, it was not. Wanted to find a find a spade and dig a hole, but oh, look, there are things that happen. You can't be perfect all the time, and um, right. as as you know, it's just a freak play, and he read it really well. I see. I'm a I'm a massive fan of set set piece tries. I, I love it when a move that a team has trained through the week comes off in a game. I, I don't reckon there can be any better feeling for a rugby team than knowing that you worked on something for one week, two weeks, three months and then to implement it perfectly in a game. I still think that's the most beautiful thing in a footy field, a, a try from a line-out or a scrum and going completely to plan. There's nothing better, especially sure. as a front rower. Especially if it's off a scrum, you set a good platform and you pop your head up and they're under the bin. It's, it's, it's <laughs> glorious stuff. And then if it's from a line-out and it's around the front and involves a hooker, I'm even happier. Well, you've scored a few. <laughs> you've scored a few. You've, yeah, you've popped up out of nowhere as well. I've, uh, I think I've called a few games for that. And just seeing you just come through like a sort of quite a It's like any hooker though, isn't it? Yeah, we're all pretty good at finding our way to the line. I wonder, yeah, I wonder whether the, the focus now on, on, as you said, that, that set-piece attack, the, the moves, the, the sort of old-school um, mastery of a little bit of... Uh, 
That's what I'm looking for, illusion in the game. Is this a direct answer to, to the press, to the, the, the press defence, the rush defence, saying, well, if you're going to rush at us, we're going to bamboozle you instead? Yeah, I think so, because a lot of the moves are based around um, making them think you're going somewhere else and, and going to the opposite to create that line. Every team wants to get away from a line-out, away from a scum mm-hmm. at rapid pace, and... You know, there's all sorts of tricks in the trade that you know can slow that, and you know a lot of these moves are devised to that because you can be think, you know, you do your homework and you're like, well, they could do this, they could do that. You know, I might just take a second here to just make sure I'm, I've dotted my eyes and crossed my t's, and we don't fly out of the line and, and you know isolate ourselves. So, it, it is. It, I think it's a big shift towards, um, I suppose, just that game management and being able to manipulate a game and a team to to suit what you want to do and and. You know, obviously most game drivers have a plan from minute one to 80 and it's about them putting the puzzle together. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, so that you can still play the traditional way, mm-hmm. but also have you know a few joker cards up your sleeve. I love a joker card. Um, tell me, Jip, how do the Crusaders get beat? They, um, they, they are a death machine, the Crusaders. They just, they just yeah, roll. They are, but I, I mean, obviously, when we played them round one, we we thought we had a yeah. fairly good um, theory. I mean, you look at their forward pack; they provide such a platform. So it's um, you know based around fronting up and matching them uh, is probably first and foremost scrum time, line out time, especially mall time, because I suppose when things don't go to plan for them, they go back to the mall and they're so clinical around it. So. Those are the first thing you need to get right up front. And then it's just back to that kicking game. And I think sometimes it's easy to think, oh, we'll just play down there um, against them. But if you give them a hell of a lot of ball, they're, mm. they're not too shabby at coming back. And, you know, they've picked up a guy like Sever Reese and George Bridges, exceptional, Will Jordan, uh, David Havili. So they've got a lot of threats back there as well. So it's, it's, a, it's an accurate kicking game to play down in their end and then take, take I suppose, that set-piece strength away from them and, and I mean the biggest thing that they're so you know formidable at and probably the, where they take teams apart is the breakdown and collision area so you, you've got you've got to match the guys like Todd Fetu Douglas um, you know Geordie Tafu you know obviously not playing as many minutes this year but in the past Kieran Reid Scott Barrett that breakdown area if you can own that win that um, and be dominant for long periods of time you you will give yourself the best opportunity I know that sounds you know easy in theory it's, it, I know it's challenging but you know, team teams can do it. We've seen it in the past that teams yep. can do it. But you know, though it's it's the collision areas and up front. I think are the massive, and they're not giving them such easy ball to attack from from the back. 
offloads have become such a crucial part of the game and, and in part particularly to negate the best teams at the breakdown if you're offloading in the tackle you're going to push that defence back and you're going to get another crack at it through your face play but I, you've got to be accurate with offloads and I think we've seen the Chiefs all season long really struggle and not at having the enterprise to play the offload game but the accuracy to pull it off is it do you see teams that are that are trying to do too much with the offloader? Is it backfiring on them, or is it something that you persist with because you know ultimately when you get it right, it's going to be hard to stop? I think you persist with it, but from an accurate nature, you have to win the collision first. Mm-hmm. If you win the contact, get yourself free, um, and then there's good comms from... from uh, I had a similar discussion with someone the other day on, on radio, and you know they're saying, I think it was Mitchell Drummond's offload where he just popped it up, and I think Sevu received, I can't remember... Who's who? Um, who the teammate was, or who they were playing? But they just said, "Oh, they're just throwing it willy nilly." And I'm like, "No, they're not." Mm. I was like, "That's Mitchell's won the contact. He's throwing it because you can see if you look from the wide angle that um, whoever the player was was screaming for it. So he pops it up to buy him time, and then you know. So that's that's a that's a safe offload. That, there's, that's a hundred percent. You know. So well, one thing we talk about is making sure there's you know our offloads are eighty twenty. You know, so eighty percent is you know there's no risk in it, and then the twenty percent is you know a bit of natural skill sometimes. But you want to be that sort of you know win the collision, get your arms free, and then rely on your mate to give you the right comms. Sometimes it's hold it, sometimes it's pop, but it's not you know sort of helter skelter. Mm. Um, offloads are earned; they're not just something that are freakish. Or to- at times they look freakish. I agree. There's might be one or two percent of them that are exceptionally freakish but a lot of the time it is due to communication and someone winning that collision first the Chiefs seem to be in a bit of a hole um, at the moment do you have a bit of sympathy for them because it just seems low on confidence uh, that they're just not quite 100% on the on the same page at the moment and, and I know they've had some results but um, the weekend against the, the Hurricanes certainly didn't go to plan it, it just looked to me like a team that it's not that they're not trying, it's just that they just don't look as organised as we're so used to seeing them. Do you have some sympathy for where they find themselves at the moment? Yeah, look, uh, look, I've been there myself. Um, it's sometimes it's not through lack of trying, maybe trying too hard, but I think the biggest thing, and I've been in teams that are similar, when you lose your key leaders... Mm. That that's probably the biggest thing that they haven't had for a long time. They've had you likes of Sam Kane, Brody Retallick on the field, you know, even Stephen Donald, um, Liam Messam, Tanarel Latimer, guys at Craig Clark, guys that um, you know in the big moments or pressure moments can stand up and, and galvanise them together, and then losing such an attacking weapon and massive voice in Damian McKenzie from behind, it's it's always going to put some pressure in the system so I don't think it's a skill set coaching structure thing it's just there's a lot of injuries and and key players out and you know say at leadership groups eight people you know I've just named probably four that are out injured yeah um, at this current time and then you know um, Marty McKenzie's there at 10 but then you know Dipresini was going to be filling that fullback void and then he gets injured as well I'm not saying he's in the leadership group but I'm just saying it's another key cog another key voice that that you're missing so it's just it's just unfortunate you know injuries are a part of our game uh, as I said I've been in teams that go through it and and you've just got to keep persevering and, and the thing is that the Chiefs have done so well over a number of years and they've based themselves around that Chiefs manner and, and they live it and breathe it every day um, there's there's no doubt that they'll bounce back. What about the Hurricanes? Uh, they seem to be just uh, doing what the Hurricanes do. Some days it's uh, absolute gold as it was on the weekend against the Chiefs and some days it looks like it's a bit of a dogfight for them. But um, 
What what makes the Hurricanes such a tough proposition to play? Adi Savia. <laughs> How good? <laughs> How good is he going? Um, oh yeah, my he's god! Just everywhere. Um, but again, I think they're a tough proposition when they have a settled type five um, and they they have their line out humming and their scrum humming. And and as I said before, the breakdown uh, where Artie's you know formidable, um, but even guys like Reed Princip and mm, that, mm. and Co have, have been pretty you know via for feeder as well, um, exceptional there. Um, you know they're, they're obviously front football. If if you get front football and TJ's just relentless around that breakdown. If there's a half a hole, he'll take it. If there's not, he'll deliver it to Bodie, who's flat and and running flat and fast and and providing opportunities for other guys so that's when they you know and that's what it was the other night they were just clinical and then you know Artie and, and TJ are in some form at the moment both mm. of them are just linking like gold at the moment and Geordie Barrett seems to have come back into a bit of form himself in a, in a well, pretty good in time his, in, a, in a position he, he wants to be in and loves right. not that I'm saying he doesn't want to be in the other positions because I know he's a team first man but he's hey, a fullback geez he looks good at fullback <laughs> doesn't, yeah. doesn't he just you know it, it's it's not much of a secret in rugby, is it? Play a guy where he's best suited, and and you'll get the best out of him. I, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to question uh, the years of intellectual property within New Zealand coaching ranks, but boy, oh boy, you've got to sometimes fill a void as we speak about those injuries, and, I know and you sometimes do, you've right? got to get the best players on the field. And and I can understand from a coaching point of view that you know, with the talent they've got to choose from, sometimes there is always a player that can fit the bill in most positions. Yes, he's exceptional at 15, but I don't think he's a bad winger or centre no. either. Well, he's a quality player, we know that. And the Highlanders, um, you guys are obviously on the receiving end of them at their best. What You know, they, they are such a gritty team. They must be the biggest pain in the ass to play against as a forward pack because, uh, you know, you mentioned the word relentless with TJ Piranara, but that pack of the Highlanders just does not give up and they're such spoilers in that breakdown area, is it? One of the key factors in you guys last hit out against them? We definitely lost the breakdown, which is yeah. what cost us the game. Um, and it was probably an area we won uh, when we were up here at Eden Park, and that was the difference. And I think most games, if you're physical and, and you dominate in that area, you're going to give yourself the best opportunity. Because we did speak about set-piece tries and stuff and, and you know, being a big factor in the game, but you know sometimes it does take 18 to 20 phases and if, if your ruck ball's not crisp or clean mm. um, you know, you, you're going to struggle to get across the line and if you look at as you said their desperation there was 30 that first 30 minutes we had all the ball and all the opportunity to take points and they managed to hold us out um, a number of times and, and then obviously get an intercept and go 90 um, but I think the biggest thing for them was uh, getting you know guys fit and, and ready and, and selection you know consistent selection and I think one guy that stood out for me that's sort of changed the guard from is Tom Franklin. I think yeah. he's been exceptional in their type five and, and he's more of a leader through his actions. And I know Jackson Hemipo and, and, and you know uh, James Lynch are physical, abrasive players, but there's something about Franklin. I just think he's a settled voice. Going back to sort of the mould when they won it with Joey Wheeler around how he, he ran the set piece and he really controlled their line out. Uh, you know, you're sort of seeing shades of that in Franklin and he's really taking charge of that pack. Let's talk about the weekend ahead, mate. The Crusaders are taking on the Sharks. So I, I don't think anyone would pick the Crusaders to get beat up at their home deck with the Sharks side that's been yeah, pretty much hot and cold all season long. <laughs> I know I just said that I think I've got the blueprint, but I don't think the Sharks are going to be the side. 
Reds and the Sunwolves, mate. You can talk us through this one. I, I kind of like some of the signs I'm seeing in the Reds. Uh, you know, in the Brad's side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think them, they're a challenge at home. Mm. Um, I think you've seen most sides. What time's kickoff there? Yeah, that's a, that's a 7.45 New Zealand time, so seven, it's a night game. It's a night game. No, it's just because you know, they've had a couple of afternoon games and the ball looks like soap, and I've been there in an afternoon game and the ball is like yeah, soap. you're sweating up there. And, oh, yeah, I'm drifting at the best of times. But it's it's like they, they're used to catching it, um, obviously um, <laughs> training in it. So I still I think the Reds will get up there. Um, there's just so much travel for the Sunwolves. They, they, they do so well to punch above their weight. The Hurricanes are taking on the Rebels, and uh, despite the best intentions of the Rebels, I think the Canes in the form they're in at the moment might be a, a little bit too hot for them. But then the big derby, mate, the Highlanders taking on the Chiefs. Um, always a tough battle, this. Uh, I kind of like it. it. It mixes up some pretty physical uh, opponents going toe-to-toe. Uh, -toe. But I'd say the Highlanders at home might think they've got the edge here. They love it at home, um, and they they would have got a hell of a lot of confidence out of that performance in Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, they were yeah, they were ruthless. Now. They they were ruthless against the side that pushed the Hurricanes the week before, and we saw how good the Hurricanes were um, the same weekend. So, I think the Highlands will get the result. But I always admire the fight and desire um, of the Chiefs side, and and you know, good mate of mine and, and Angus Tarvo. I know he'll be leading the charge up front and. Being one hell of a pest in, in Brody's absence <laughs> and uh, making sure that that forward pack hooks into their work. And, you know, you've got Mitch Brown, Lachlan Beauchere, um who's uh, Ardron. Um, you know, all those boys are, are still quality footballers. That was just one game of football. I think mm. it'll be closer than most expect. And, of course, the Brumbies will get up on the weekend as well in Canberra, taking on the Blues. So that one's done and dusted. <laughs> I won't bite at that. No, don't. It's terrible work on my <laughs> <laughs> Tough place to play, Canberra, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't a reasonable really, success you there, have, though. I know you for, have for, a, for, a, you for have. an away game, but it's they—they they still, to me, they're a, they're a mystery. The Brumbies, they are a mystery. Well, if you look at, I'll go back to when they played the Rebels and they get out to a bit of a lead, and the Rebels come back and take them apart, and then the, a week later, the Chiefs go there and they beat them by fifty-two points. Mm. So they are a mystery, and I know the. Banking on getting Pocock back this week. They've sent him back from Africa and not going to, you know, Argentina. So, you know, they're putting a lot of, you know, emphasis on that. And uh, and they've probably come off a really strong tour mm. and they'll be confident coming back to home. But look, we think we've got the squad, the 23, the structures, the game plan to get over there and do the job. And, and we're certainly looking forward to it. What's the travel uh, roster like? Fly to Sydney, drive to Canberra, is it? Yeah. What yeah. a mission. It's a mission, but I, I always think, you know, you've been doing bus trips as a young fella for most of your life. Like, <laughs> it, it hasn't always been planes. The bus so, so you jump on a bus and you've got iPads and all sorts now. So. What's, the, what's the Blues bus I like? Is there, are there guitars involved? Yeah, yeah, Matt Moulds is a big fan of a guitar. Is he? Uh, Richard Fry, our manager, yeah. absolutely loves it. Uh, so there's a bit of guitar. Fry's yeah. been touring for about 50 years, though. Yeah, he's a master yeah, of it. He's, yeah. a, he's a master of it, but... So a few boys trying to learn the guitar. Uh, Paddy um, is trying to learn the guitar at the moment. How's so. it going? Um, I big can't sausage, say. Big sausage <laughs> fingers. Have you okay on the bar chords? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen uh, too much of it lately. So <laughs> it was definitely big in Africa, but I think it's been put down. <laughs> it's been put down. No, I think oh, the guitar's been, been put, been yeah, put the down. The guitar's been put down. What about yourself? Do you go? Nah, right? nah. Absolute cabbage hands here. So nah, not, no a, not a note. Big not fan a of cards. Cards. Yeah, big fan of cards. You know, up the creek, five hundred Uca, um, all sorts. You know, a bit of monopoly deal. 
Are you running the Are you Poker. running the card school? You are, aren't you? No, I no, can tell no, by no, the look no. on your face. That no, you're I was I was well trained. Uh, Quinton McDonald and I used to run a hell of a cards cutter. Uh, to to. Uh, Wiley old dogs, but the the ultimate cards man that's left was was Charlie Farmwina, and no one's really filled his void. Um, Doesn't strike me as a cards man, Charlie Farmwina. Oh, he, he, anything to do with making money, he's involved. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, especially because he's got the biggest wallet, so he's just like right fifty in. But yeah, no, big fan, big fan. Now cards is big, cards and coffee and, and connecting is is huge on the bus, and then a bit of iPads and movies and. Cards, coffee, and connecting. Listen to you, Joe. Hey, I'm a new age man. What an age we live in. <laughs> Cards, coffee, and connecting. That's a, that that yeah. could be the next week's podcast. Cards, coffee, I had to, and connecting. I, with I had to Parsons. chuck in connecting because I knew TJ Fiani is a big fan of it. So. Of connecting, he's a big fan of this podcast, so I know he'll be listening. TJ Fiani. <laughs> TJ Fiani's not listening to this podcast. No, he's not. He's going all right though. <sighs> I like TJ Fiani. Yeah, he's the man. He's he's awesome. He's a great leader, TJ Fiani. Um, you can see why, well, just how he's come of age after that minor 10 cup season, you can see mm. why they're so successful. Martin Onu Watch, we, we can't have a podcast without Martin Onu Watch. Um, <laughs> Williams, Williams is convinced that he's going to the World Cup. Uh, a couple of insiders have said to me, well, that's fine, he's, he's playing good, but who do you leave out if he goes? But do you get the sense that he's thinking about it? He's dead set thinking about it? I think he's one motivated man. I don't oh. think he's just started thinking about it. I think I think he's been thinking about it probably most of the time. Like the, if you'd seen the way he trained preseason, you know, for a man of his age, he looked twenty-one. He's still training like a twenty-one-year-old, and um, look, his form is, is matching up with it. You yeah. know, some people are saying we're watching it through rose-tinted glasses, but you can come sit in one of our reviews and, and see the work he does off the ball, the, the sacrificial acts, you know, for the team, and then you know, obviously the X factor stuff that everyone else sees as well. He's He's his all-round game strong at the moment, and, and the biggest thing that he gives our group is comms. He's a great voice, smart player, um, and that leadership. You know, speak about those big players before for other sides. He's a massive part of that, and, and making sure that we're settled in those pressure moments. Chip, fascinating to talk to you, mate. Thanks for joining us on the short ball today. James Parsons off to Canberra tomorrow to take on the Brumbies with the Blues. Uh, we'll be back next week, of course, with. Well, hopefully Williams is back. Have you seen him? I don't, <laughs> know, where, I don't know where he is. <laughs> Lives the life of Riley. He's a guy. hard man to track down, as Ellie <laughs> Williams. But that's been the short ball. I'm Scotty Stevenson on behalf of James, myself, and producer Tina. Have a good time. Enjoy your super rugby on rugbypass.com all weekend long.